Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Buff Sound Podcast. We are the best POD in the 313. All four of us are back, and today we got some good news, uh, some even better news for a lot of Pistons fans based on their reactions. But first things first, guys, the Pistons avoided the worst record in franchise history with the win over the Pacers. What did we see from that win, and what are some takeaways? So let's see who's on my screen first. We got we got Valley on my screen first. So Valley, talk to me about how you felt about that win. Um, about that win, and it, uh, the person I'm going to pick, it's kind of a continuing theme because Jaden Ivey finished the season so well. Um, it was about 21 points and eight assists a game over his final 10. Just it uh, showed an improved three-point shot. You know, it, it sh- he keeps showing how he can just shift gears so easily and, and get to the rim and and stop and go and do everything he can. I'm so excited for this offseason because I know he has that Mamba mentality and he's going to be working hard as hell and coming back as a real threat to score the ball next season from all three levels. Um, but in that win specifically, Ivy was great. Um, I thought he did a good job running with Killian Hayes, who played really well in those last two games of the season. And they found kind of a balance between ball handling uh between the two of you, between the two of them um but Jaden Ivy like just a continuing theme for me um his playmaking again we've touched on this it just seems to be on a on an upward trend and it's not going down at all um I'm interested to see when that starts falling off a little bit um but Jaden Ivy man and I always listen on the other other team's commentators because I stream off an illegal website and almost every single time, they're just in awe of his, whether it's his speed, his playmaking, some facet of the game, they're always in awe. And that means you're doing something right. Um, Ivy's been the, a bright light for us the whole season, and that's continued here towards the end of the season. Agreed. Ivy really closed out well. Connie, you're second on the screen. How do you feel about the win in Indiana? A win felt great. I was watching with a, with a buddy of mine who was a big uh Pacers fan so you know it was nice to see Kojo <laughs> light it up against those guys and uh I went into that game I was like <laughs> I'd be, basically he, he hasn't watched a lot of Pistons so he's like what do I need to know about the team K- Killian Hayes has pretty good stats I went into that game just like telling him how bad Killian Hayes was gonna play <laughs> and I'm like dude this man is a stat sheet imposter and then he comes out and probably plays the best game of his career like I'd probably say easily, I, I like that more than the Mavs or the Hornets games. Easily, personally, mm-hmm. uh, he was doing some really cool stuff. Some confidence with the threes, and he was uh, he's getting down into the paint, using his body a little bit to get some of those easier push shots. Um, noted, it's also against. I mean, we're the skeleton crew Pistons, but they 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 mm-hmm. were the skeleton crew Pacers right there too. Uh, but I don't want to talk too much about Killian Hayes, gas him up too much. Because uh, these are just these last two games have just been that just a little just a little taste that keeps you hooked. He's like, whoa, wait a second. He <laughs> it out. I guess we can only think about it for the off season and and then come in to be disappointed next year. Oh wow, man, you're already dissing him on next year. I was gonna say we get a full off season to gas him up, but that's fine. That's fine. Gabe, how did you feel about the win against the Pacers? I kind of knew we were gonna win that game. Uh, the Pacers, like Connie said, like they're playing their th- third stringers as well. Uh, so it's really just a battle of um, who could get a stop every like 10 possessions. And we managed to do that. Agree with Valley Ivy, like 
like again the competition wasn't that great but he kind of showed he he looked like he was playing in summer league kind of you know he's just too good for those games and that's a great sign to have for such a young kid in addition to that his connection with uh Duran just keeps on growing I think I'm excited to see pick and rolls between him Cade and Duran all next year I think it's going to be our bread and butter shooters spacing the wings that's what I'm excited for next year based off not just that win our losses this week as well what I'm not that excited for is the killing Hayes stats like Connie said like you know he played good and he bullied Nemhart. he might be the worst defender in the league who knows like the stats other people were putting up I'll just read you a few I mean as you probably know Kenneth Lofton had 42 points. He's a bucket. Muscala had 27. Pistons legend Lewis King had 20. Mm-hmm. Haslam had 24. Dominic Barlow had 21 and 19. Theo Pinson had a triple-double with 20 points. So these stats at the end of the season, they don't really mean much to me. Yeah, Can I say, ahead, like, go ahead. I completely see where you're coming from, and you do have to take them with a grain of salt because you are playing against worse competition. However, theoretically, with the full squad, Killian his ideal role was as the backup, meaning he's playing against other backups, which kind of levels out the playing field. Like Andrew Nembhard is a very serviceable player who's had a very, very good campaign. Um, obviously, guys like, I don't know, off the top of my head, Gabe York. No disrespect to Gabe York if he's listening to the pod. Probably not a backup <laughs> player in the NBA. Um, so I do love seeing that, but it shows that he's better than that competition as well. Like you said with Ivy, like when he is matched up against those really bummy squads, like we even saw it last year against OKC um, when he had his then career high against those third stringers, um, put him up against another with more backup units. This game, he did really well. But I would like to say against Chicago in the first, I don't know, first quarter, he had a good quarter, first half, he had a good half. And that was against, you know, the Bulls first team. Um, the second half, they kind of rested their guys. But he did have some decent competition in that game and still put up a decent stat line as well. Yeah, he was taking it to Patrick Beverly, which I really thought was interesting for a guy that's always had confidence issues in his career. And just shooting, shooting a three, like he's not even thinking about it. Like the ball's coming, he's just putting it up, and it looked pretty good. I mean. And, yeah, like the step backs he was hitting, that's not a competition thing. The step backs, that is something that I – that to come i'm talking about the ones where he's wide open catch and shoot those, <laughs> those are the ones he's got to hit he can keep the step backs he, there's no need forever to have a step back hey, comparisons coming to life about the win is it a coincidence wiseman doesn't play much and we win the game i was gonna go there with it i don't know man i i don't know I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to take. I mean, Jalen Duran's doing a pretty good job of making sure there's less center competition for him next season. Yeah, just ruining people with elbows and knees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He got someone else too this week, didn't he? That wasn't on our team. Who did he get? I'm not sure, but he's gotten multiple people on the other team just from coming down the rebound. Yeah, I mean. Man's a, a wrecking ball at the age of 19. Any other thoughts on the win that we can savor? Well, we can savor it all off season, but I think the people want to hear about one thing. So you guys think uh, 
Thanks to that. Yeah, c- congrats, uh, Casey's last win. And uh... yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dwayne Casey finishing his Pistons career, announcing after the final game of the season that he will be stepping down as head coach. I'm gonna put some cheering noise going on here because I know a lot of Pistons fans were clamoring for it all season long. We even had a pot about it, and a couple of us actually thought that he would stick it out through next season, but can't blame the guy. He's uh, he's kind of been through it. Uh, I asked Valley to do a little research for me, and he did. The Pistons record with – or Dwayne Casey's record with the Pistons, 121 and 263. Now, that doesn't look, sound great. It doesn't look great. He came in expecting to – try to push this team into the playoffs and then it just kind of just fell apart from here. So we wanted to give our uh, top candidate for the now open head coach of the Detroit Pistons position. So we'll start with Gabe since I start, started with Valley last time. Uh, Gabe, who would you like to see replace Dwayne Casey in the first chair in Detroit? Yeah, first off, big props to Casey, a class act, and the organization, too, that he can announce his own uh, uh, retirement and promotion, basically. Compare that to what happened with the, the Rockets, whereas as soon as the game was over, we see the tweet from Woj that he's gone. Uh, but my replacement for the Pistons, I think the logical thing is Ime Udoka. Uh I think he's been in the news recently for the wrong reasons, but it wasn't like a malicious event that happened in Boston. It was just kind of an internal struggle, I guess. Uh, I don't think that has any implication on his character or his future prospects in the NBA. We all know he's a great coach. He brought Boston's offense from 10th to 7th when he took over. And more importantly, he took the defense from... 14th to first, which is what this team desperately needs. Uh, He was under Coach Pop seven years, and he was kind of the reason why Aldridge came to uh, the Spurs. So that, you know, the knowledge from Pop, he was also on Team USA under Pop. And so the knowledge from Pop, the defense, the free agent allure is especially what the Pistons need. And I think another important factor to take in is when Jeremy Grant came to the Pistons, you know, it was about the role, not the money, but he also wanted to play for a black coach, a black GM in a black city. And that's why it's important. I think we have a black head coach. It's who this, it's who Detroit is. It's part of restoring the Pistons. I think uh, you want to connect to the, the city, the team, the players in the NBA, the youth of this area, I think like players like Grant, Jalen Brown, and let's be real, the majority of the league, I think they like to play for another head coach who shares their values, shares their uh, their history, their societal values. I think he's just all in all off the court, on the court, a great replacement. And I think with him, we're in the playoffs next year, not just playing. Uh, we'll go to Connie next. Who do you want, Connie? To take over for the Pistons. Uh, I mean, Ime Doka, great coach. I, just because I don't really know. I mean, we don't. Any of us really know anything about what actually happened there. I I would like to stay away from Ime. Um, 
but I agree with Gabe on a lot of things. And I think a big thing that this team should try to do is like build up with a, a young coach that can, that can grow with this team and, and, you know, and push them forward and kind of become a unit together into the future. And uh, one guy that the Pistons are looking at that was actually a head coaching candidate uh, last year. And he got, uh, he was a candidate for new Orleans. He was a finalist for Washington uh, he's been an assistant under Budenholzer, both with the Hawks and the uh, Bucks. So he has a championship as an assistant. Uh, a lot of great other great assistants are coming out of out of Boston. Uh, Taylor Jenkins. Uh, there's others that I not off the top of my head, but um, Charles Lee. Charles Lee was a, a player of the year in the in 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 his smaller conference in college. He played in Europe. Uh, a little bit G League in the NBA, never made the league, but um, has been coaching. Well, started as an assistant coach for a couple of years at his university, then went to the to the Buck, not to the Bucks, to the Hawks underneath Budenholzer, and then stayed with Budenholzer to the Bucks. So he's been working with great teams, championship teams, and uh, something I really liked about him is there was an athletic article written last year actually when he was originally um, up for coaching. He's also 38 years old. Uh, this guy is extremely young. Uh, could definitely still uh, relate. I can be a mentor, but at the same time, like the, he's got room to grow with this team. Um, but a big thing about his uh, his approach was like he said, he's a power of positivity guy. He's about controlling what you can control, like take the errors out of what you can control. And that's everything. That's everything from like the way you play basketball to the way you prepare to the way you eat. And uh, I think... And then that, and then being absolutely fully straightforward with what you want out of each guy on the team and like what they're going to be on, under what you're doing and where like the growth is. And then, you know, again, just growing together. So I really like the vibes off of this guy. I like that he's young. I like his coaching, his coaching roots. Um, and he seems like a scrapper, man. He, he, like he went around Europe for a while. He's like a smaller point guard, uh, you know? Charles Lee. It's an, and the other part is it's a name that I haven't heard before. Like uh, a lot of good coaches, <laughs> like names that we really don't know. Like, uh, did you know who Mark Dagnalt was before he took the OKC job last year? Because I certainly did not. No, I don't think a lot of people did. But Charles Lee in the 313 does have a nice ring to it. Valley, who do you want to take over for the Detroit Pistons next season? Sorry, I just want to touch on, on Odoka and Lee really quick. So I'll, I'll get yeah. into my selection in, in just a second. Um, with Lee, I do like the idea of having a young coach rising with this team. Like Connie said, Lee is 38. I didn't know who he was, <laughs> to, to be completely honest. I, as soon as we saw the news that of the few potential candidates to replace Dwayne Casey, I, I wasn't sure who Charles Lee is, and I had to do a quick Google search. Um, on Ime Odoka, I have a few concerns about how that ended in Boston, but honestly, I, I'm not... I mean, like, we don't know the extent of that, so we're not entirely sure. But I do like that Udoka had the experience, although it was brief, of coaching two stars in Tatum and Brown. It's slightly different here, but we have a kind of a similar thing I see with Cade and Ivy. So he has a little experience in uh, working with, with two tandem players. But my pick is a bit of an outside shout for the Pistons next coach. I'm big on Becky Hammond. Um, Becky Hammond was a candidate several times to take over an NBA job. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, it never happened. And I do understand there are some concerns about that, you know, whether that's outside of her being a female and a female has never coached an NBA team. 
Um, but let me just give you the reasons why I think Becky Hammond theoretically would be a very positive coach to this organization, or for that matter, any organization. Um, of course, it has to be prefaced by saying she is the current coach of the Las Vegas Aces. So if she's interested, of course, the job would be there. Um, but Connie Gibbs said seven years of, of learning under Popovich for Udoka. Um, well, eight years of learning under Popovich for Becky Hammond um, and Popovich, obviously the greatest to ever do it, produces so many great coaches, you know, like Steve Kerr, Budenholzer, Mike Brown is doing a great job with the Kings, Monty Williams. But how about Becky Hammond? After her eight years, she left to become a coach for the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA. In their first year, they won a championship. Instant success, clearly has the talent as a coach. Um, an immediate green flag for me there. But one thing I really liked is that she's known as a great player coach um, through the articles I read. She has very good relationship with her players. And that's not just in the WNBA. From her time in San Antonio, always got along well with the players there. They had nothing but kind words to say of uh, Becky Hammond. So there's no issues there. You know, it, can she coach a, a men's team, even though she is, you know, female, something we haven't seen before. Um, by all accounts from her assistant time at San Antonio, that doesn't seem like an issue. But one thing I, a couple of things I really, really like is I was, well, I was doing my research on Becky Hammond. She said that Greg Popovich still watches every single one of her games. And then afterwards, they talk for sometimes hours. This this tells me that that she's still hungry and, and still improving and still getting some of the wisdom from Greg Popovich, which really excites me um, when we talk about having a coach growing with the team. The coach grows herself, even though she is already you know, in a pretty good position. And then one final thing that I really like about her is her potential connection with with Jaden Ivey. You know, obviously, you know, it's a team, not a personal thing, but Ivey having so many female role models in his life, most notably his mother, Niel, who's the coach at Notre Dame. I think that'd be a very, very good fit um, with Jaden Ivey and the Pistons as a whole. Agreed. And you all bring up some tremendous points going on here. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat um, as Valley and uh, Connie in, in the sense where we don't know what happened with Ime Adoka. Um, and, and we don't know how it all went down. And with Troy Weaver saying that he wants to bring in good character guys, I, I'm sure Ime is going to get another interview again. He, I mean, we've turned him down once before, so who's to say we won't do it again? But uh, I, Gabe, on the coaching side, you brought up some tremendous points about Ime. So basketball-wise, I'm not doubting that he can have an impact. It's just we're trying to build these players as people as well, which is a little bit of the problem for me with Udoka. Charles Lee, hey, I mean, 38 years old, and you, like Connie said, he's traveled the world, and uh, he could be a scrapper, and he could still relate to some of these young guys. Being only what? I'm going to be like six years older than Corey Joseph and Rodney Magruder. Like that's having another player coach in the locker room. So uh, I'm not against that at all. And Becky Hammond, I'm all for it. Like Valley said, bringing in somebody who went to the WNBA and won in their first season, still talks to the greatest coach of all time, probably in Greg Popovich, um, quite often about what she's doing with her team and how she can improve. And like Valley said, she's still hungry. So I'm, I'm on board for all three of those. Um, I, I, I like how uh, Gabe brought up that having a black coach is the whole reason Jeremy came here and that we should try to continue that trend. I think that's going to be a very interesting aspect to keep an eye on as we go through this interviewing process. 
Uh, I think Adrian Griffin was mentioned as one of uh, the other candidates um, that will be interviewed. So I'm, I'm, I'm just interested to see where this ends up. You know, it just seems like for forever, we've been stuck in this rut uh, with whether it was, you know, we always say like, oh, the Blake Griffin area, oh, you know, Jeremy Grant then came and it seemed like to me, it was like an era, but he was only here for like a season. But the whole time it was, it was Dwayne Casey at the helm. So we're, we're, we're turning it over now. And I'm glad he's still in the organization because a lot of these guys, um, you know, probably looked up to him. They've been, Killian's been with them two, three years. Uh, Stu's been with him two, three years. Cade spent probably a ton of time with him this year, riding the bench. So I, I I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, and plus, it gives us something else to talk about as the offseason goes on when there's no content. Uh, Gabe, uh, Connie, I took over a little bit there. You guys have any thoughts you want to spit out? A few things. Like you mentioned, he's like a role model. If you, I read all the James Edwards tweets about like the postseason uh, press, uh, pressers that the players did. They all love Casey. They look up to him. They can't like say enough positive things about him. And another thing is, like, it's weird to move on from a coach and it be a positive thing. Usually it's, no, you don't win enough games. There's a problem with the players. But this is, like, one, one of the rare times where you move on from a coach in, like, a positive way where you're in an upwards trajectory and the coach is, like, with the upwards trajectory. It's a weird but great situation to be in. And then lastly... We saw Rockets don't have a coach right now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hornets, the Blazers, the Raptors also have some coaching vacancies. Why do you think like a coach like Charles Lee or Hammond or Udoka would choose the Pistons over one of those other, you know, situations? Can I counter that by saying we were in the same position when we had a vacant coaching spot that we filled with Casey? Casey was a guy who was the reigning coach of the year, had a really good tenure in Toronto. What made him come to Detroit then? Like, why would that differ now with, I would say, a more lucrative team to coach for any particularly young coach? I I think, like, what, what draws to Detroit is, like, um, this front office has shown that they they stick with guys. Um and I think they're they're doing their job of like setting up somewhere where people like trust that it's not just going to be like you do a bad job. You like you have a bad record here for a year. You're going to be out on your ass again looking for another assistant coaching job or something like uh, I think there's a good draw to Detroit. And it comes from the front office as well as like there's a real opportunity to get, get a team here that is on the upswing that like. You can make a name with this team here. Like if we, if like these guys continue to improve and this team, like we all think is going to perform a lot better next year than it did, than it did this year. Right. Like that right there takes your name into like coaching hierarchies. It, it pushes you up a little bit. Like, Whoa, these guys won 20 more games this year than last year. Dang. What a coach. Uh, and I think that's set up. And I think I, and, and lastly, I think it's just like, it's something it's a team that I think coaches could really do something with. And I think it would be a fun, like a, the assortment of talent is going to draw people in. Yeah. And I, I think, I, I don't know if Troy is going to try to speed up this process or uh, slow walk it through the off season, but I feel like the lottery is going to play some sort of 
um, role within the hiring process. Because say the Rockets win the lottery over the Pistons, I think a lot of coaches are going to prefer to go to Houston over Detroit. So I just think that's an interesting asset to keep an eye on too. Can I throw one more name out there? Yeah, go ahead. And then Gabe, Gabe, after saying, uh, you know, if Portland moves on, gave me another idea. Um, but one guy I was considering uh, coming in with, with, with valid points was actually Jerry Stackhouse, um, obviously an ex-Pistons, so he'll be well-loved here. He's turned around that Vanderbilt uh, program up there. He's done a very good job as of late. They've had a very good season. Um, I haven't gone too deep into the advanced statistics about him, but I, I guess more like, what do you think about bringing in a guy that the fans know? Like, a, you know, should Portland move off Chauncey Billups or a Jerry Stackhouse or whatever? Do you like the idea of bringing home like a, either a hero or a local guy? Not if that's the only reason they're bringing him in. Like, yeah. you're bringing in a guy to be like a people know this guy figurehead. Don't do that. Or, or I guess like I guess more so in in, in Jerry Stackhouse's case because he has you know had a very very good season turning around that program. Does that add on to the resume? Like you're already a pretty good candidate. Hey, and you play for the Pistons, so the fans will like you. Does that differ the Does that differ in 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 the selection possibilities? Because Chauncey Billups, I don't think, is a realistic target, even if he should go, because yeah, hasn't really <laughs> proven much as, as a head coach, has he? I think that no. should be like the and this deciding factor. There should be so many different levels of deciding factors that come before that. That yeah, it doesn't play a big role. No. I think, uh, how do you guys, let's throw a couple names out there that have been mentioned as potential candidates. What would you guys feel about Jay Wright from Vanderbilt coming in? I'm skeptical on those guys that had really long college tenures, um, Mm -hmm. only because I don't know that many of them. And one of the ones I do know is John Beeline, and that didn't turn out too well for him in a head coaching sense in the NBA. Yeah, it's got me a little skeptical about that too. Uh, you guys know anything about uh, former Thunder assistants uh, Josh Longstaff or uh, Brian Keith? No. Are those yeah. Weaver's boys? Yeah, those are Weaver's boys. Haven't looked into them. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so. I was just wondering if you guys have heard anything. A um, couple other names that were mentioned. Connie brought up Charles Lee, uh, Chris Quinn. And uh, Connie, uh, not Connie, Valley's Jerry Sackhouse mentioned. So a lot of potential options here. Um, I'm, I'm, are you, does this kind of reinvigorate you guys for next season a little bit? I mean, we were always going to be excited, but does this kind I'm of super, give a new element to you? I really think this means we're going for it. Casey was the rebuilding, the, you know, the slow play coach, and now we need the offensive weapon the X's and O's it shows I think that you know I think it's always been the plan to start competing this year well next year and I think this move just highlights that and yeah it makes me really excited how fast do you think this will move like when when can we expect a new coach you think I was I was just talking about this with my friend Jake um do any of you guys remember when we hired Casey I feel like it was a later in the summer thing it was it was in it up it was like june 11th 2018 okay. i would anticipate it's after the draft no matter what yeah i anticipate it would be after the draft because i i think that's just such an important part of um of, for this team and then i think Weaver's going to take a really good time interviewing his candidates and, and taking his time to make the right selection 
because like Gabe said, like now it's time, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's always been the plan. I second everything you said, Gabe. So he's got to be really, really particular with who he selects here. Um, and he's going to go through all the, all the, all the steps to make sure that happens. Agreed. Like th- this is it. This, this is one of those pivotal moments in a rebuild where you pick the, the guy that you think can lead the players that you're accumulating to a championship. Like this is, this is no like, Oh, we're bringing in a new head coach. It's, it's, it's we're bringing in the guy. Uh, one more name I'll throw out there before we quickly run through a playoff play in preview and our tankathon draft for the day. Nick Nurse. Should Nick Nurse be the successor to Dwayne Casey once again, this time in the Motor City? Uh, no, just because of, like, the memes. Like, Raptors fans would be like, oh, fucking just copying us, trying to, trying to get our coaches. <laughs> just, just for the memes. I don't want it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Any other thoughts before we move on to the play in, play off preview? Yeah, I don't think I'm, Nick I Nick wouldn't want, good. Yeah, I wouldn't want Nick Nurse either. Yeah. I just had to bring it up. It's it's out there. All right. Uh, We got a little bit of time here. So uh, how are we feeling about the play in playoff preview? We'll start with the play in because that's first. Uh, Who do we have winning in the play in? We'll start with Connie. He hasn't started today. So Connie, who are your winners for the play in games? Uh, Let's see. I'm thinking East Coast. East Coast first. Heat talk. Heat hawks. Heat hawks. Hee-haw. Uh, <laughs> easy, easy heat W. They own the Hawks. Uh, I think they're going to gonna pull that pretty out pretty easily. And then uh, Bulls, Raptors, give me the Bulls. They've been playing pretty well. Uh, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan. Zach Levine's been on a heater. Their defense apparently is good. I don't see it personally, but I guess they did hold the juggernaut Pistons to 80 points last night. Uh so yeah, give me bolts in the plane in the east, and then out west, Lakers over uh, Timberwolves. Now that they just lost their two best defenders in one one fell swoop, uh, <laughs> and give me OKC over the Pelicans. I think that's going to be a. I think Shea Gilgis Alexander's about to ball out. We'll I think that would be fun. I think just I want. I kind of want to see the Thunder make a run as, as kind of like the underdog story. Uh, Valley, who do you have winning the East and the West? Yeah, Hawks at Heat. I have Miami winning in a blowout. Um, and then I have the Bulls and the Raptors. I have the Raptors winning that one, excuse me. Um, I just think they can get together come playoff time. Um, and then I have the Hawks actually beating the Raptors in the next seed. So I have the Heat at seven and the Hawks at eight. I don't have much belief in the Hawks, and there's no really reason to believe in them. Um, they just have Sadiq Bay, but they do tend to to get it going towards the playoffs. Like they're capable of making those runs. Um, Trey Young is capable of the spectacular. I don't believe in them very much, but I could see it. So I picked them to uh, get in at the eighth seed. Nevertheless, they get swept around after. And then I have the Lakers coming out at seven. And that was really torn actually between that Pelicans Thunder game. I'm going to be watching that. That's going to be a very good game because Shea is capable of, of just taking over a series, I think. Um, but I did pick the Pelicans because I think Brian Ingram is very capable of doing the same exact thing. Uh, and Gabe, who you got for the West and the East? Uh, Valley, real quick. So you have Pels over Wolves then as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement that in the West, Lakers, Pels. And I think in the 
East, I'm going to say uh, Hawks and Bulls come out. You know, this is the reason they got DeJounte Murray. Trey will be bad that game. I already know. But oh, the Heat are not good, I think. Uh, you don't think the Heat are going to be good? <laughs> Jimmy Butler is good, though. <laughs> yeah, but he he's not like a yeah, – he is a carry, but still, I don't know. It's just like, like they don't have any offense. I mean, who knows? Maybe Trey Young decides to throw this game because he wants out of Atlanta. Oh, just to be clear, I think uh, it's going to be Lakers OKC coming out of that playing tournament. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I have the Bulls as well. The Raptors stuck as well. All right, all right. He's you guys want to touch on? <laughs> you guys, uh, anything from the playoffs you want to touch on before we move on? I know those are drawn out a little bit, so we can always touch on those next week if you want. Yeah, I think we could do a deeper dive later, but Connie, go ahead. The first round of the West is going to be so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Grizzlies, Lakers, probably. Which which series are you most looking forward to? Uh, probably Suns, Clippers. I think that's going to be a good series. Or Grizzlies, Lakers, just because, like, there's going to be so much news coming out of that. People are going to be talking so much. It's going to be great. Isn't it uh, – is it Warriors-Kings? Warriors-Kings yeah. is going to be sick, too. I don't know which way that's going to go. I think there's a good argument for, for either team to, to win that series. Imagine Mike Brown in his first year taking out his former club. Like, that's a story in itself, too. I mean, even, like – I mean, I've – Pelicans at eight. Hell's – Nuggets, that's not going to be a blowover either. I think that would be exciting as well. Though the one thing it was announced today, uh, Stephen Adams is out the whole year, so yeah, yeah, hurt, hurts the Grizzlies. They're already you know, down Brandon Clark as well. Yeah, and it's so unfortunate that all this happened to the Grizzlies because they were looking so good, and then the whole. I think- this- Grizzlies still are looking really good. Like they are, but like wanted to see if they could go healthy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this might unlock a little. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. like that, like the 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 place they become like world beaters potentially is like a Jaron Jackson Jr. five lineup where like each of them is just like they got you got five hoopers on the court. Yeah, um, this is too small for the Lakers. Yeah, and they've the, the third best player in the series. LeBron. Top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. um, they have three, four, and five. Like Ja, Desmond Bain, Luke Jared Martin. Jackson Jr. are three, four, and five. Probably. And then they probably have like the other numbers, a couple other numbers as well. <laughs> I don't my eyes on a on a on a on paper what looks like a kind of boring series in the East, but the Cavs and the Knicks, I think, is gonna be a fantastic series. Um, the Knicks have been red hot um, as the season's gone on. Brunson, Brunson and Julius Randle have been great. Um, and at the same time, this is the first year the Cavs are, like, really going for it as well. You know, that step we eventually hope to make. Um, so I'm excited to see them back in the playoffs and, and what Mitchell can do with that team. I think that's low-key going to be a Cleveland domination. I think I, I think people are I, – I don't know. I think I'm a lot higher than the, on the Knicks than a lot of people are. Um, they, I mean, Randall, they ended up with nearly the same exact record as the Sacramento Kings, who have the narrative around them that everything's great and they're and they're on top of the world. Um, I don't know. I I, I believe in the in the Knicks a lot. Um, Thibodeau's going to play his starters a lot of minutes come playoff time. That's what you need. Yeah, but that's a Donovan Mitchell revenge series right there. 
I could see you this in the off season. You're gonna you're gonna learn today, or in this five game series. So, uh, quick question before we do the tankathon spin: If you guys could, you know, take a coach from any team in the NBA, who would you take them from? Great question. Um, I would say Monty Williams. Ooh, okay. I think, I think Mike Brown. That was Seems a pretty creative insane. guy. Between Brown I like, and I like how hype he gets. Light the beam. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe? I, I think I agree with Monty Williams. That's a, that's a good call, yeah. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Uh, any other coach or playoff play-in talk before we do the quick five-spin thing? Tankathon spin. I saw Sean Sweeney's name. Yes. In the, in the, and I was like, what's going on here? Our former assistant who left us to Dallas, who miserably crashed out of the entire play-in tournament. Zero interest. Well, actually, I I like that guy. I feel like there was a lot. He, he, he worked a lot with a lot of guys on the team. And it's not like it's his fault that they crashed out of the playing tournament. Man, he didn't make that roster. Uh, a couple uh, of names that we glanced over today: Rex Kalamian and Jerome Allen. I love Rex Kalamian. I, I'm a I'm a huge Rex Kalamian fan. I don't know if he's the guy to make that jump. He does, you know, head he's the head coach of the Armenian national basketball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I mean I'd give him an interview, but I would probably look at an, an outside source. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think they're at the tier of coach that we're looking for. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, that's perfectly said. How can we know? Like, the coaches, they're so unknown what these guys are as head coaches. True. Like, that's true. I just have a feeling, that just my personal feeling, that they're not at that level yet. We are going to do a spin on Tankathon, and uh, wherever the Pistons land, we're all going to throw out who we would take at that pick. Um, so how many spins do you guys want to do before we have the right select, like the selection we want to go with? Two spins, three spins, one spin? One spin. Yeah, let's just one do spin. one each show, man. All right. So in the first ever 2023 Bucks on podcast mock draft, the Pistons will select no. first. <laughs> uh... First. So who are you guys taking with the first overall pick in the 2023 draft? I think um I think I would trade that pick for a guy who's about to enter his prime, maybe around 20 or 29 years old, you know, real Stan Van Gundy move. Yeah, so I, I think so. Yeah, Obviously, I, think yeah, so. I would take uh Victor <laughs> Wembanyama. Uh, no, for me. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, really nothing to talk about there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I say we do another spin just for fun. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, if we get the one pick again, I'm going to be so happy and mad at the same time. All right, here we go. The Pistons fall the fourth. Who are we taking with the fourth overall pick in the 2023 draft? We'll start with uh, Valley. He hasn't gone first. Are we going to say who's off the board or no? Can we make assumptions? Oh, yeah, just make assumptions. Um, so we'll go Vic first. We'll go Scoot second. And we'll go Bryn Miller third. I'm pretty sure that's the top three. Maybe not in that exact order. Maybe Miller and Scoot flip flop. But I think those are the first three off. If uh, I pick Taylor Hendricks, 
I don't know if you guys know who he is. He's like a six. He's listed six nine. He looks like six eleven. Defensive sh- shot blocker. He can move. He slides his feet. He's knocked down catch and shoot shoot catch and shoot three point shooter. Yeah, I just think he's an ideal fit on this team. You think he can go that high though? I mean, it's just I don't think there's another like. Sure, some people may have upside, but like I think we have our star, and I think we need to. It's gonna we need to draft for fit. I think you need to make a team. Yeah, you can't just keep getting uh, point guard stars. That's a hot take. All right, Connie, who are you taking with the fourth pick? Hell no, nah, man. I'm putting the most wild athletes on this squad if we have the fourth pick. Oh, man, Thompson, man. Thank you, we sir. We picked the fastest dude in the draft and the strongest dude in the draft last year. Let's pick this dude who looks like like Vince Carter-type athleticism and bounce. Uh, got Tremendous some playmaking ability. Some Yeah, some real playmaking ability. And the ability to play the three, which is – which is big to play along with our two other guards could be super dynamic. Uh, I don't know, man. Taylor Hendricks. I saw him play here. He played it. He played a game at ECU. Uh, honestly, if you, if you told me that, he, if you didn't tell me that he was an NBA uh, recruit, I wouldn't have figured it out myself, but uh, I mean, that was a single game. So that might be it. Well, much to take a whole, whole representation of a guy from, but um Taylor Hendricks is like you're filling it. You're you're looking for a role player if you're drafting Taylor Hendricks. The only for no damn role player, man. The 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 downside with Amen Thompson is his shooting, and that's something that we as the team struggle with anyway. So that's the only reason. Did you did you hear? Apparently, Cade remaking the whole jump shot. Yeah. No, really. Ground up, jump shot change. If and if Ivy is the insane work ethic guy that he seems like, and his three pointer is getting better, man, we could put a lot of shooting out there and still have like a insane amount of dynamic athleticism. Ivy's three pointing has become such um has improved so much. They've run plays for him to shoot threes. Like that's our opening play, pretty much. Yeah. And I think that just says you know, like Valley sent it a couple times in the chat. And Valley, why don't you tell the story you sent in the chat? It's crazy because it's not the first time this has happened. Um, a few months ago, this is the first time I heard of it. There could be more instances. The in Orlando, the Mway Center um, staff had to kick him out because he was taking too long in the morning shoot around. Same thing happened in Indiana. Jaden Ivy was taking too long in his morning shoot around. <laughs> To the point where they had to take his shoes away so he would leave the stadium. Hey, man, that that guy's a piston, and we could add someone else. So real quick, I know we got to wrap up soon. Valley, who are you taking with the fourth overall pick? I think I, I think I have to go with Avon Thompson as well. Um, yeah, yeah. For the it's same. just like the competition he played against. Like I find it so hard to evaluate. Like, did he play against uh, high school players, D three players? Are they even right. at that level? What you can like, what you can see, regardless of the level, is that, and the whole reason I take him as fourth is that he is just an insane athlete, like next level, next level. Like he'd be, he'd be top one percent NBA athletes when he comes into the league. I think he had like a forty-four inch bird. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's just small and easy, man. Yeah. Like, if I were the Rockets, I'd take him. It's just, I think, with Cade and Ivy, I don't know. 
it's not enough for like a three man rotation. Not, not enough size for me, I think. The crazy thing is, is that most likely picking one through five, Jaden Ivey is going to be the smallest guy on our team. I mean, barring Kojo. And... With what? A seven foot one wingspan or something? Yeah, just height wise at six four. That's going to be our smallest guy. Yeah, we're because we're going to yeah. be a problem next year. We're going to be a problem, you know. Like, and if the Rockets want to keep Jalen Green, Kenyon Martin, KJ Martin, whoever else they have, Kevin Porter, um, we're, we're bigger than them, and I think we're going to be stronger than them and better players overall. If that's the, you know, trajectory of the rivalry rebuild that we want to go with, but I'm excited. Whoever I, I want Wemby so bad. Gabe, you sent that video in the chat of his highlights. They got me more excited. But the more and more I do these tankathon spins, the more and more I'm brought back to reality. So I'm, I'm hoping it happens, but I'm still I mean, happy. We got Ivy at five last year. I'm really not worried at all. Of course, no, I, I, I just don't want to miss out on Wemby. That's all. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, any other thoughts before we get out of here? I know we'll do a draft thing later, but I just want to give a little hot take preview. Brandon Miller is not in my top 10. Oh, oh my God. Gonna get us out of here before Zoom kicks us out. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Buffs on Podcast. We are the best POD in the 313. You know the drill. Follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok at Buffs on Podcast. On Instagram at Buffs underscore on underscore podcast and on Facebook at Buffs on Pod. So we got some playoff play-in basketball to look forward to. The Pistons season has come to a close. Congratulations, guys. We made it through our first season as a Pistons podcast. So I'm, I'm so happy that we did this, and I'm glad that I went through this first season with you guys. So throw the Buffs on, Detroit. The future is bright.